I'm Helen Marshall, and this is the Diary of a CLO. I hope no one's listening, but if you are, definitely share it. In this episode, I'm talking to England cricketer Alex Hales, who has brought his career back from breaking point in 2019 when he was dropped from the England World Cup squad for failing a recreational drugs test. We chat about that, how he's fought back from it, where he's at now, and also hear his advice for anyone experiencing setbacks in their life. Enjoy. Alex, hi, and welcome to Diary of a CLO. I'm so pleased that you're here and and joining me me for what I hope is quite an, an honest conversation. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be on the podcast. So I'm going to I'm gonna start off this chat by taking you back to a pretty dark time in your career, which was April 2019. And you'd just been told you'd been dropped from the England squad after failing a second recreational drugs test. And it seemed, I suppose, like your England career was over. Can you tell me how you were feeling on that day? Yeah, um, <laughs> a very dark day, as you just said. And as you can imagine, probably probably the worst day of my career um if not last um I, was, I found out the news at like it was first thing in the morning at 7 40 a.m the um uh, the ashley giles who was in charge of ecb at the time came into our room and gave me the news and um it was obviously horrendous um had to go straight in my car at 7 30 and drive from uh Wales back up to nottingham which as you can imagine is probably the, the the longest drive of my life definitely shed definitely shed a few tears along the way you know it was the worst news you could ever imagine you know you work sort of four, well, not four years, but your whole life, I guess, towards a, a, a World Cup in your own country. And, you know, it's as, as big as it gets in cricket. So to have that, you know, you know, in the grasp of your hands and then taken away last last second was, um, you know, as tough a news as you could ever receive in, in your career. So, um, yeah, horrendous drive. Um, plenty of tears shed. Um, you start, you know, it's not, just, it's not just you you let down with stuff like that. It's you kind of think how your parents must feel and, you know, doing everything for you in your childhood and, and get you to where you are and then suddenly they've got a chance to watch you in a world cup at home and then that's taken away so yeah as you can imagine horrendous news um and i still you know i was thinking would it affect you know not just this world cup but would it affect me getting picked by other teams in my career like you when there's something so raw like that you just don't know um you know what's going to come in the future from news like that so um incredibly tough day very emotional um this actually makes me feel a bit sort of anxious now thinking thinking back about it so um yeah tough day um, and definitely one of the worst of my career for sure. But I suppose fast forward to today and you recently fought your way back into the England squad and you helped their T20 win recently and you've just got engaged. Um, and I suppose you, like, people would see you as, a, as a, hopefully as a different person than you were those four years ago. At, at what point over those four years did you think, I've really got to bounce back from this? Because it must have been hard to switch from, that, from the, those horrible feelings you were feeling on that car journey to then think, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, I don't know, yeah, whether or not I'm a different person, I'm not sure. I guess I'm just older and wiser. I think when you suddenly have news like that, um, you learn you learn an awful lot about what's right and what's wrong in your life and what you need to do, um, you know, to, to live a good life. And I think, yeah, having having news like that just made me really hungry to, you know, to not throw away the great opportunities I had playing cricket as a living because, you know, it's what, you, it's what you dream of as a kid. It's what, you know, what, people will give their right hand for in this country is to be able to play cricket for career. So you can't really take it for granted and you have to be professional with your cricket and off the field. So, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I, I've made a few changes along the way, but I think just, um, you know, having that experience of dealing with lows like that, you kind of understand that the actions that you have, you know, you think you're making for yourself, but they have wider ramifications. So 
I guess pretty much straight away, you know, from the from that hair test, I had a three week ban from cricket from that from the result of that test. And I think once I got back to playing cricket, I realised that you know it's just time to get your head down and let your cricket do the talking rather than you know getting into trouble off the field. Obviously, not, I was obviously not intentionally doing stuff, but you realise that you know, as I said, things you know, decisions you make and actions you have have ramifications and consequences. So I just wanted to get away from that lifestyle and um, you know quieten down, and let my cricket do the talking. So. I guess pretty much straight to worry once you know once you get news like that you you understand that you have to make changes in your life so um yeah I think moving out moving out to Loudoun obviously live out in the sticks now um did that three years ago and you know live a pretty chilled quiet life now with my dog and fiance um so yeah I'm very lucky in that regard so um I wouldn't say I'm a completely different person but certainly you know gained experience and made some small changes along the way to to get me to where I am now Mm. And did, did you get anyone else involved in that journey? So there was obviously an intense pressure on yourself there, but did you work with any anyone external like coaches or sports psychologists? I know Stuart Broad recently mentioned that he does quite a lot of work with positive psychology. Um, is, is that something that you have explored? Uh, to be honest with you, no. And I think that's that's the beauty of life and, and sport is that you know, there's no right or wrong way to handle setbacks and, and dealing you know dealing with setbacks in life. And I think in that regards, I think I'm actually really lucky. Is that I'm I've been blessed with quite thick skin, um, you know, very thick skinned and I've always been quite self sufficient and, and independent when it comes to um, my career and life and stuff like that. And there's, there's, I guess, there's pros and cons to that. I think sometimes I can be a little bit of a closed book um, emotionally and stuff like that with with um, with loved ones. Um, but when it comes to dealing with setbacks and um, you know loss of form or or stuff like that. I think being, you know, I, I've been lucky that I'm very self-sufficient. I, I can, I can sort of shake things off and, and bounce back, um, you know, in, in my own kind of way. And um, yeah, a lot of people do lean on psychologists and I think in cricket, we're very lucky in that regards. Um, ECB and Watts, um, you know, they, they provide us with help and psychologists, uh, psychiatrists if we need. Um, so there is help along the way, but you know, in terms of myself, I just, you know, I just got back out there playing cricket and was very lucky that I was able to kind of shake it off and, and understand what I need to do um, to bounce back and, and get my head straight. And yeah, as I said, when 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 it comes to sport and setbacks, I think in that regards, I'm pretty lucky to to be able to handle um, things myself. Um, and you know, the route I've taken down cricket is is now T20. I'm playing for different teams around the world, so I play for sort of six or seven different teams, uh, um, different coaches all the time, different players. And I think in that regards, you kind of have to be self sufficient, independent, understand you know what what works for you. So yeah, when it came to sort of bouncing back from that setback, I, I handled things pretty much myself. Obviously, I had a good network around me. My parents were always there if I needed, and a good network of friends. But I tried to, yeah, I tried to to bounce back as well as I could individually and, and uh, independently. Mm, it's interesting there that you mentioned kind of playing for different teams around the world. How, how is that? How it must be quite tricky, kind of uh, changing teams and kind of getting to getting to know your teammates. Has that been something that's been tricky for you? It's, it's tricky and it's also quite good for your development, I guess. If you're in and out of different teams and environs, you can grow and learn an awful lot in terms of cricket and, and life. If you're mixing with different people and different setups, you, you kind of understand there's no one correct way to do things or you know one set way to, to improve or, or get better at cricket. So um, I think you know that kind of lifestyle suited me is that you know, I've not been too, um, since I've become professional, I've not been too reliant on coaches. I've not been too technically minded. I've been very sort of individual and and like figuring stuff out on my own. So in terms of you know jumping around to different teams, I, I actually really enjoy it. I really enjoy mixing around different people and and and, and different setups in different countries. But 
yeah, that's not for everyone. I think there'd be cricketers out there who would, you know, would have set coaches and set routines and sort of like, you know, like that, um, I guess that rigid routine of, you know, working with the same people day in, day out. But I've always quite enjoyed, you know, mixing in and around different teams and, and different setups. And I think that independence I spoke about is why, you know, my game in life is suited to the T20 franchise circuit. Mm. I suppose one of the things that uh, journalists picked up on a lot um, previously was your relationship with Owen Morgan. And one of the things that comes up in a lot of those conversations was trust and and how you broke that trust with your team. So it's interesting there that you're talking about those different teams and how you work together and, and how that suits your personality. But the, the thing that stuck out there was the idea that what your actions went against your current, at the time, team's values and, and the values of the sport. How have you, I suppose, consciously worked towards rebuilding that trust? And, and how's your relationship with Owen Morgan now? Uh, yeah, so when it, yeah, that, I think it was how I handled the news of the, um, the failed test. I think it was a really sort of, un, it was uncharted territory really for the ECB and, and myself. And that, so the ban I received from, for, for failing that test was, a, it was a three week ban from cricket. Um, but the results of the test, the, so what, the, the reason for the ban was supposed to be confidential, which kind of, to me, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's really kind of difficult to, for me to know how to handle the situation, whether I, because um, I obviously didn't want the news getting out, but I'd followed a recreational drug test. So um, it was a really tricky one with, do I tell people what's happened while I'm not playing cricket or do I like, do I not say a word to anyone and hope it kind of disappears? So I, I, thought, I don't think I handled that very well. I went really intrinsic with it. I didn't tell anyone. Um, and I think, you know, looking back now, obviously hindsight's a beautiful thing, but looking back now, I probably should have handled that differently. I should have, I should have spoken to Morgs. I should have spoken to the team and told them, look, this is what's happened rather than obviously like it's leading up to a world cup. So if I'm not playing cricket for my County journalists and people are going to be thinking, why on earth are you not playing? Um, and they're going to start digging. So eventually journalists were digging and find out the reason why I wasn't playing and it was going to get released to the media. And that was the that was the only time I came out and told the guys what had happened. And I think looking back now, um, they were right in saying that's trust broken. Um, I just didn't know how to handle it. To be honest, looking back, I, I really didn't know what to do. I didn't I didn't want other teams finding out that this is what's happened. I didn't want that news going worldwide that I'd filed a recreational drug test because obviously it's a, a very bad look. So um, it was just a it was a really sticky situation. I think the the three week ban, but it being confidential, was a was a pretty um, it was a a pretty bad rule and uh i think actually three months later the ecb scrapped that rule um, and just made it a fine so that was that was kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth seeing that three months later that um <laughs> that had that been the case in the first place which is probably what it should have been then we we might not be having this conversation now um so it was the whole thing was just a, a bit unfortunate but i i should have handled it better i should have spoken to my teammates um and i think uh, when we got to that camp the, the day before i found out the news that i was being dropped from the side um, we were there for the day before and looking back, I should have got up. Um, I should have got up in front of the whole group and apologised for everything that's happened. Um, and I didn't. I've got. I've got a real like. I've got a real deep fear of public speaking. Um, and I and and I think that's cost me. You know, not standing up in front of the group and apologising for you know a, a pretty big mess up on the eve of a of a big World Cup, um, a big home World Cup that we've been building for for four years. So, um, you know, looking back, I can understand why. Um, you know, why that trust was broken, and you know how I should have handled it better. Um, but you know, there's, there's obviously nothing I can do about that now. So um, yeah, obviously the whole thing was really disappointing, and I can understand why that that broke the trust. And when it comes to Morgs, I, I haven't seen Morgs really in in four or five years. We've only crossed paths maybe once or twice, and and had a chat, and it's all been fine. But 
Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I speak. To, I wouldn't speak to him out of the blue now, or you know, we, we, he lives in London. I live here. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say we're friends or anything like that. But certainly, you know, like there was no bad feelings on my regards, um, and just the whole thing was just unfortunate. And, and I wish I could have handled it differently. But um, you know, I feel like I've come a long way since then. Mm, there's, there's no playbook for how you should handle that sort of stuff either. Exactly, and it, I honestly, I, yeah, I really didn't know what to do. And at the time, at the time, I, all I wanted was no one to. I just didn't want anyone to know what happened because I was kind of a little bit ashamed of the results of the test and just wanted, yeah, I just didn't want it to be in public or didn't want the public to find out. And, and I just, I wanted to, so it was, I think it was only the doctor and the chief exec of the ECB that were to find out the results of the test. So, I mean, I, I, it was just, a, it was just a bad rule and it's, it's a good thing that they scrapped it and changed it for, you know, something that um, could be handled a lot better. So yeah, it was just, it was uncharted territory for everyone involved. And, you know, looking back, I handled it the wrong way. But yeah, as I said, hindsight's a, a pretty, pretty good thing. Yeah. Did, so did they change, did the ECB change that rule as a result of what happened to you? Or were they already in the process of making changes? And was... No, I think I think it was because of what happened to me. Because obviously the whole thing blew up. And I think, you know, looking back, you can probably, you, know, you can probably see how ridiculous the rule is. Like having your teammates must be thinking, oh, why is, why is he not playing for three weeks? But you're not allowed, you're not supposed to tell anyone. It's supposed to be confidential. So it was a bit of a strange rule in the first place and they scrapped it. They scrapped it now to no three week ban and just a, and a slightly bigger fine, um, which is how it should be. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, they say they want it to be a welfare thing to help players out. So I think that makes a lot more sense to, you know, to have an increased fine and then be able to help players, you know, in their private life rather than, um, yeah, having it being made public. So, um, yeah, so, but to have them, you know, to see them change that rule, um, a couple of months later and not even announce it or anything like that was, a little bit. So I sort of sat there watching the World Cup thinking, blindly that that's a bit of a kick in the teeth. But um, there's definitely the right rule now. And um, it was just, it was a really sticky situation. And looking back, probably could have handled a bit better. In terms of players' welfare, you've just touched on there that, that you know, that welfare is supposed to be the, the reason why they made that change. Is there anything else that the ECB do to support players? So um, maybe potentially to support players who might be putting themselves in a risky situation in their lifestyle that might lead to something like that further down the line. Is there anything that they do? Well, I think so. the, the thing that I find a hair test, uh, they, they hair test us twice a year for recreational drugs. Um, and if, you know, they they if if they come back a positive test, there are people there who can help out, and they they start they'll sign you up to like a, a program to speak to a counselor, or whatever, to see you know if you do have a problem. I think they can work out exactly you know what you've done and how much you've done over that time frame, so they'll be able to tell if you've got a serious problem or if you know you just had like a, a weekend where you you know made a mistake or whatever. And um, so I think I think they have got a good network in place to help players out. Um, and with all sorts of things, you know, gambling, drinking, um, drugs. So I think it's it's a, it's pretty well run in that regards. Um, uh, so yeah, there, there is a good network there to help players out for sure. That's good. Yeah, and it's positive to hear that as well. That I suppose from from that it is almost kind of uh, reactive to that situation already having occurred, rather than maybe helping people prior to getting into that situation. Is there any talk of that amongst the team or in, from a player's perspective in terms of how they're supported? socially before you end up in a situation like that yeah they they give it they give us um they give us talks um at the start of every year about um anti-corruption so that comes like to uh, betting in games match fixing stuff like that to you know to to gambling to drinking as i said to to drugs there is you know there are people there and we do there are meetings that happen with stuff like that at the start of the year to you know to to inform players about you know stuff like that off the field and yeah, as I said, I think it's a pretty well-run network. And there, there is, you know, if you do find yourself making mistakes or 
or you know down that lifestyle there is you know there's a pca the professional cricketers association that's um you know funded and helps players out that, that make mistakes uh and yeah, there is yeah, there is all those talks and stuff like that. And I think I think we're pretty lucky in that regards as an organisation that we're looked after pretty well. Mm. Is there if if there's anyone listening to this that's I, I suppose been through a bit of a shit time or maybe they've messed up or maybe something hasn't gone the way they imagined it would, what advice would you would you give them? And I suppose are, any, are there any steps they could take to get back on track in the way that you did? Um. Yes. It's just that. If you make mistakes, it really isn't the end. I mean, I, I got given a second chance in life, and I think there, there is always a way back from from what you might feel at the time is rock bottom. There is always a way back, and I think time's the biggest healer with that. Um, you know, looking back four years down the line, I've come a long way. I've been lucky to to meet my fiance uh, Nina, and you know, had I had I not made the mistakes I made, then I probably wouldn't have met Nina. I, I met her on a tour in South Africa that I probably wouldn't have been on if I if I had been dropped by England um, before that World Cup. So. I feel like, you know, it's cheesy, but I feel like everything works itself out in the end. You know, life life has a funny way of, of leading me to happiness and finding out, yeah, sorry, and finding the way to, 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 to happiness in general. And I think, I think just if you've made mistakes, there is always a way back and try and surround yourself with, with a good network, lean on family and friends if you need it. But ultimately, never give up because, um, you know, I think time, time is the biggest healer and it's certainly worked out in my regards for sure. So just, you know, there, there is always a way back from rock bottom. It's a really important message that kind of it might seem horrible at the time, but it it hopefully is only a temporary situation that people can move through. And you need to, you know, that one day you can look back and with with hindsight think, well, this is this has led me to a to a different situation. Exactly. Yeah, I, feel, I remember that I thought, you know, I thought my life and career was over that day. It was honestly pure rock bottom. And um, you know, looking back now, it was just it was almost weirdly just a start. Like I I, I wouldn't be where I am now. You know, happily engaged. I'm playing the best cricket in my life and really enjoying things had I not been through what I'd been through. So, um, yeah, I guess when you do reach rock bottom, you know, um, <laughs> cheesy as it is, but the only way is up from that. Yeah. So outside of cricket, um, you invested a huge amount in in Thrive uh, during the early days of the business. And what ma- what made you take that leap of faith in the business? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd known Sean um, for a very, very long time. Um, we go back sort of 15, 16 years and, yeah, you know, I'd seen him uh, build up MindClick from from scratch, pretty much, and sell that for for a small fortune. So I know I knew that he knew the industry really, really well, um, and he'd had success in that industry. So um, yeah, I get I I invested everything I had in my bank account at the time. Um, three, I think it was I think it was the end of 2019, 2020, right at the start of it all. Um, and I just yeah, I, I I had I had faith in him because you know he'd had, he'd built up and sold in the same industry, and his wife Nicola. It had amazing success with Bressiem and Ordinary, so so those two, you know, those two have had a huge amount of success in business and and life in general. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to invest everything I had at the time to to be involved in that journey. And um, he had a really big vision for Thrive. I remember chatting with him over a pint at the local pub um, about his vision and where he wanted to be in four or five years' time. And you know, he really sold it to me, and I wanted to you know put my trust and and everything I had. So yeah, I, I was very fortunate that he accepted. Um, you know, he got me involved and. And it's great to have followed this journey now and see how well the company's doing. I think, I think when I first invested, there was only maybe seven or eight employees at the time, um, and to see it now, I think there's over 150 with offices all around the world. So it's pretty epic to be part of the journey, and you know who knows where it can go in the next few years. Yeah, and it's and it says quite a lot about I think about your character as well that you were willing to kind of take that risk and really trust that vision. 
Um, and that kind of ties in again with that building trust with your team and those around you in order to, to know, kind of fulfill what you want to do in life. But I think it's, yeah, it says quite a lot about your character that you were willing to do that. Yeah, it was a leap of faith, I guess. Like investing everything you've got. I obviously had a little bit saved away in, in different um, different accounts, but it was everything I had, you know, sort of disposable income at the time. But, um, you know, I felt like Sean is just the best of what he does. Um, I've known him a long time. As you said, trust was a big thing. Trusted him in in, in his profession and, and as a friend as well. So, yeah, everything I had, I chucked into Thrive and it's been the best one of the best decisions of my life, I think, so far. How do you build trust with your with your teams and the people around you? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think spe- spending spending time with them. Um, I think that was that was a nice thing getting back into the England team because I kept reading in the press that I needed to you know rebuild trust with the team, and, and I heard that a few times. But I didn't really know how to do that um, when I was outside the little bubble of the team. So I think the more time you spend around people, the more quality time you spend around people, you get to understand how they work and and what your trust levels are with them. So. To get another chance, another crack for that England stuff, um, and to actually be around it or be around the setup again was was um, was pretty special and, and pretty big, and helping me regain the trust of, of you know old teammates and you know getting to you know, I guess right the wrongs of mistakes in the past. But I think you just have to you know, to be around good people and, and spend quality time rebuilding that trust. Um, what's the future looking like for you? I know obviously you have just got engaged, so that's something to look forward to, the wedding. But but you know, in general, what's 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 the year got in store for you? We'll have to see. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty big year coming up. I think um uh there's there's some there's some England games at the end of the summer and there's a T twenty World Cup next year and loads of exciting cricket for me. We've obviously got a plan for a wedding next year and and we're looking at getting married in Cape Town, so I'm sure that'll take up a lot of time on, you know, dealing with all that admin, which which would be yeah, it'd be pretty amazing. It's um, you know, if you told me if you told me even a year and a half ago I'd be getting married in twenty twenty four, I'd have I'd have probably I'd have probably laughed laughed my head off. So it's gonna be a, be a pretty interesting year and a half and one I'm really looking forward to. I think it's it's probably the most excited I've been for for a year um, on the field and off the field. So lots of cool cricket, um lots of travelling and then a really, you know, an epic wedding to prepare for in, in Cape Town in October twenty twenty four. So yeah, I think the next twelve to eighteen months uh, are gonna be the best yeah. Amazing. And that kind of on the field, off the field kind of uh, uh, something I'm quite interested in, in at the moment is the idea of investing as much time as you can in being a high performer in the, in your field, but also then taking a step out of that and dedicating as much time to downtime as you can as well. Is that something that you consciously do too? Definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, downtime and time away from cricket is something I, I do need a lot of, especially, you know, now I'm getting older. I've been I spend a lot of time on the road. I think I spend probably six to seven months a year in hotels um, in different countries around the world since I was 18, 19 now. And so now I'm 34, 35. I do definitely enjoy my time, you know, at home away from cricket, um, you know, in my own house, feet up, chilling with the dog, chilling with Nina, um, playing a lot of golf. So I think I think it's really important for, you know, for, for happiness and sort of... Um, Peace in life is to have the right the right uh, work to work to life balance, and I feel like you know the last couple of years I've been I've got that I've got that right, and it's, it's you know it's nice having it's nice having the dog and, and the fiance to sort of switch off away away from cricket. Um, and I think that's really important to, to to you know to when you come back to 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 your job or to to your sport or whatever you do, you actually refresh and you're you're motivated and you're ready to go a hundred percent. So I think having that balance in life and work is really, really important. Mm. Do you think it makes you a better player? For sure. Yeah, it definitely does. If you, if you go to, if you go to cricket with minimal baggage um, and a decent and a good mindset, 
and everything's in place, you know, away from the game, I feel like that can only be a positive. Yeah, I think you, you go out relaxed and you go out looking forward to the game of cricket rather than thinking about things, you know, outside the game and, and in your personal life. So I think it's just such an important balance to have in, in life is, is your work-to-life balance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Alex, I really appreciate you sharing um, so openly on this discussion. Um, and thank you for your time. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This podcast is powered by Thrive. We're a complete learning and skills platform creating modern learning solutions for modern businesses globally. Check us out.